This is Nicole Murphy for Mike Check Radio. Today we have with us Colin Thomas Jensen, a policy advisor for the Enough Project at the Center for American Progress. Thank you for being with us today, Mr. Jensen. Thanks for having me, Nicole. Okay, so there have been two significant events that have happened in the past two weeks that have dramatically changed the situation in the Eastern Congo. First, let's talk about the arrest of rebel leader Laurent Nkunda. Can you first explain some of the effects Nakunda has had on the Congo region, along with his rebel movement, the National Congress for the Defense of People? Sure. Uh, Nkunda has, has long been a, uh, a regional military actor in the Great Lakes. Uh, he is a Tutsi from Congo. He fought with the Rwandan Patriotic Front, the RPF, to uh, liberate Congo, uh, sorry, Rwanda from uh, the genocidaire that committed the genocide in 1994. Uh, he then returned to Congo and served in various positions in, in movements that were often seen and definitely were proxies for Rwandan interests in eastern Congo. Uh, and most recently, he's been the leader of uh, the group, as you said, the, the National Congress for the Defense of People, uh, which is a, a rebel group based in North Kivu province, uh, one of the uh, more uh, wealthy in terms of mineral wealth provinces in the country. Uh, where he has waged a, a rebellion against the Congolese government for the past few years. Uh, uh, General Nkunda is also guilty of uh, a number of war crimes over the, over the past several years, including a massacre uh, in a place called Kisangani, uh, as well as crimes committed in a, a siege of another major town called Bukavu. Um, and most recently, his forces have been responsible for atrocities uh, across North Kivu. And so his, his arrest uh, is certainly a good thing, and it removes one of the more destabilizing actors from the scene in, in the Great Lakes. Okay, and the other event that happened recently in the region was the deployment of 4,000 Rwandan troops into Congo to hunt down a Rwandan militia. Now, can you talk a little bit about this as well? Sure. Uh, you know, one of, uh, you know, the, the Great Lakes and, and Eastern Congo in particular have been embroiled in this crisis for the past uh, uh, over a decade, in large part uh, due to the ripple effects of the Rwandan genocide. Uh, the the army and, and the militia that committed the genocide fled to Congo uh, when the RPF, when the Rwandan Patriotic Front took power, uh, reconstituted themselves as a rebel force called the FDLR, uh, began launching raids uh, into Rwanda, and it was it was that uh, security threat that prompted a, 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 the first of a series of regional wars that ripped apart uh, the Great Lakes, and so the the continued presence of this militia in eastern Congo. Uh, has always uh, been a pretext for uh, intervention to uh, into Congo and and as well as the incredible threat they pose to civilians. We, we hear a lot about the atrocities, the rapes that are committed in eastern Congo, and and the FDLR is one of the groups most responsible for crimes against humanity. So this sudden move, this sudden cooperation between the Congolese government and the Rwandan government. Uh, and the Congolese government actually inviting Rwandan forces into Congo is, is a sea change from where we were just three weeks ago. Uh, what we now have is a collaboration to remove one of the most, most lethal militias uh, uh, in the world. Uh, and uh, for the first time, there's some semblance uh, of hope that we could see a normalization of relations between Rwanda and Congo, which would go a long way towards, uh, towards lasting stability in the region. Now, these, these two events um, are sure to have a positive effect on the region, but are there any reasons to be apprehensive? 
Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of reasons to be apprehensive about uh, the coming weeks and months. Um, on the on the Nkunda side, uh, while Nkunda's arrest is, is a good thing, and there was a warrant uh, for his arrest issued by the Congolese government, uh, he's been replaced, and the Congolese government and the Rwandan government have agreed to this, uh, by uh, a man named Bosco Ntaganda. Uh, Bosco Ntaganda is an indicted war criminal. There's an arrest warrant out for him issued by the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Uh, and as a signatory to uh, the International Criminal Court, the, the Rome Statute, the Congolese government is actually in full violation of international law uh, by refusing to arrest Ntaganda. And rather, uh, just today, they've integrated him into their armed forces. Uh, and he will participate in this operation. So one, you have cooperation, collaboration with, an, with a, a war criminal, uh, an indicted war criminal uh, in these operations. Uh, second, uh, the Rwandan presence in eastern Congo is problematic for a number of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the, the population in the east remembers the, the difficult times, the predations of the Rwandan military during the, the wars of the, of the late 1990s. Uh, and they're still angry about it. And Rwanda is seen by many uh, Eastern, uh, many Congolese uh, as the enemy. Uh, and so the Congolese government is taking a very great risk uh, by inviting these uh, forces in, uh, risking really their own reputations, their own skin, if this thing doesn't go well. Um, some hope that the offensive against the FDLR will go well. Uh, again, I, I think there's reasons to be pessimistic. Um, what we've seen in the past is that the FDLR, because they've lived in this uh, area for the last 14 years, uh, they've become uh, embedded within the communities there. Uh, and when they are attacked, rather than fight back, they simply melt into the forest, uh, wait for the attack to end, uh, and then return to those communities and often commit reprisal attacks against civilians. Uh, it's similar to what we've recently seen in northeastern Congo, where an attack against another militia, the Lord's Resistance Army, uh, resulted not in the death of any major uh, Lord's Resistance Army commanders, but uh, reprisal attacks that, that killed and, and brutally mutilated some uh, six to 700 Congolese civilians. So the real concern in the coming weeks is, uh, one, uh, you know, the, the, the continuation of impunity, the fact that uh, you have an indicted war criminal participating uh, in these operations, uh, someone who's responsible for a number of massacres, and two, that there's really uh, limited chances for success, given what we've seen in the past. Um, so, uh, and, and lastly, I'd say that, you know, there hasn't really been, uh, you know, that, that, that removing the, the FDLR from Eastern Congo is, is one of the many uh, parts of a comprehensive approach to ending conflict in the Great Lakes, uh, but it's not the silver bullet. And what we've yet to see in conjunction with this military uh, operation is any sort of political process that would get at the root causes of conflict, particularly the, uh, the illegal exploitation of uh, conflict minerals, uh, the um, uh, longstanding issues about land and citizenship that are very divisive at a local and, and, and regional level. And until these are addressed, uh, simply removing the FDLR and arresting Nkunda uh, is going to push the phase in a new direction. It's not uh, push the conflict in a new direction, into a new phase. It's not going to end it. Um, the war in eastern Congo and the surrounding region is the deadliest war since World War II, with nearly six million dead and counting, which is a crucial number. 
Um, what do you think the Obama administration can do immediately and over the long term to help end this conflict? Well, you know, I think uh, the numbers are staggering and, and they're almost difficult to, to, to put into any kind of context. Uh, I think, but, but they do tell a story in that this is, this is a, a significant conflict. Uh, a conflict that destabilizes a number of countries, a conflict that has, I, I believe, very strongly national security implications for the United States. Uh, this, uh, this level of, of, of violence and poverty and anger uh, and, and in many ways statelessness and lack of state control are exactly the types of conditions in which uh, the transnational threats that we worry about, whether it's terrorism, crime, uh, and other threats, uh, thrive, uh, as well as simply an obligation to, uh, as, as a you know, as a leader in the world uh, to, to protect people from this type of violence. So what the Obama administration could do first and foremost is, is treat the conflict in Congo much like it's treating the conflicts uh, and the situations in Pakistan and Afghanistan and, and in the Middle East, and that is by deploying immediately a, a high-level senior diplomat who owns this issue. Uh, because what we, we didn't see uh, for the last eight years of the Bush administration was a whole lot of high-level diplomacy uh, on the Great Lakes. A lot of the uh, diplomacy was done by uh, capable uh, but often mid-level diplomats who didn't have the, the heft to really uh, uh, force a solution through to, to, to the extent that you can in a, in a thorny situation like this. Uh, so that's one. Uh, two, I think we've got to work much harder uh, to isolate the FDLR, this, this Rwandan militia. Uh, there are a number of leaders uh, in exile, living in Europe, and some even in the United States, who, who continue to offer uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, propaganda and support uh, and even financial support to the militia on the ground. There's sanctions against many of these people, and we can start enforcing them better. Um, we can also do more to incentivize defection. Uh, many of the fighters that are, are rank and file in the FDLR uh, have been press-ganged into combat, have been uh, raised as child soldiers, uh, and you know, given a choice, uh, we believe uh, many of them would would come out of the bush and, and resettle elsewhere in Congo, or if it was proven to be a safe place for them to go, uh, return to Rwanda. And so here's an area again where the U.S. can exert some pressure: one, on the Rwandans and the Congolese to incentivize defection, and two, to provide financial support for uh, rehabilitation. Uh, and uh, uh, reintegration of these fighters into their communities. Um, for right now, those are the big things uh, that, that the Obama administration can do. And then over the long term, uh, you know, it's, again, uh, stepping back and really thinking holistically about a comprehensive solution to uh, this very long crisis in the Great Lakes, a crisis that spans, uh, you know, the, the Clinton and Bush administrations, you know, from 1994 until now. Uh, and so... With this new start, I think we have an opportunity to, to step back and come at it with a fresh approach. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here with us, Colin. Um, we look forward to you coming back and talking to us about other updates within the region because um, I think that it's a very important issue that, you know, doesn't always get enough press, but I think it's something that the Obama administration really needs to tackle in their first coming months. So thank you so much. My and, pleasure. And this has been Nicole Murphy for Mike Check Radio.